Welcome to this little mini-series I've begun. The mini-series itself, I guess you can unofficially call it Thoughts from Hong Kong. Get it? Because this is called Hello from Hong Kong. Anyway, think of this as Anti-Extradition Bill Edition. Long story short, I'm not documenting much of the politics here with this particular podcast. If I had the time, I would do so. So it's not like I'm trying to avoid politics. But this new mini-series is my chance to change all that. Usually... You get to meet and know a guest who explains their relationship with this city. And the politics, if anything, is secondary. This miniseries is actually quite the inverse. You won't actually know much about the guest beyond what they want to allow you to know. In some cases, you won't even know their names for obvious reasons. You're just getting their political thoughts. It could be pro-democracy, could be pro-government, or maybe someone who's entirely neutral. I just want to share a spectrum of voices to be heard. Speaking of voices, episodes will come in whatever language the guests want to speak with. Although most of the episodes will of course be in English, there may be the odd Mandarin or Cantonese episode included. And that's of course better to reflect the fact that Hong Kong has three official languages. Episode lengths will also be shorter because each guest will be following a rigid format and it's up to the guest to decide how long they speak for. Could be three minutes, could be for 20 minutes. Thoughts from Hong Kong will be uploaded alongside the regular once-a-month episodes. So what's the rigid format? Well, I will ask each guest the same five questions, and they will be allowed to make a statement uncontested as well. I'm not going to ask any follow-up questions, so think of what the guest is sharing as the audio version of a sticky or post-it note on one of those Lennon walls you've heard about. This mini-series is more conceptual in its approach, so I have to stress, this isn't a conversation either. This first episode is by me, of course. I can't hide that fact, as I am the host of this podcast. And it's only fair because of what I'm going to ask others to do when it's their turn. Right, so let's begin. You'll hear me now answer my own questions. Check your podcast player for chapters, because I've created chapters for each of these episodes, so you can actually get to the specific question out of order if you don't like my order and thank you for listening and if you want to take part you're more than welcome to contact me and lend your voice to this new series my name is jonathan i'm an english teacher and journalist living in hong kong i've lived here for seven years now i also lived here under british rule back in the 1980s, so in total, it's almost been 11 years. Next year, I will get my permanent resident ID card. How do you feel about what's happening or what's happened in Hong Kong? Of course I think it's wrong. It comes from one side, continually not listening to the other, not naming names, but of course we know who they are. Originally there was just one demand from the Hong Kong people, which was to get rid of and withdraw the extradition bill. But this of course grew into five more over time when the shock of what the state was doing to protesters was realized. I don't like how the situation is escalating. I recently watched Winter on Fire and everything that happened in that documentary where the Ukrainian people are fighting for their own freedoms, I see it playing out in Hong Kong in almost real time. The documentary ended with success for the Ukrainian people that's because people died at the hands of the police. Luckily, nobody has died directly from the police here, yet. Of course, 
There are suicides, those are deaths, and I do recognise them as happening during these last 10 weeks. But they don't motivate, and they won't motivate the people of Hong Kong like an actual murder from a police assault. And we've seen what happens when you just take someone's eye out with a beanbag round. It's entirely needless, it goes without saying. The Hong Kong government never made any concessions back in 2014 when there were further protests laying the groundwork for what's happening in 2019. And it's ridiculous the government doesn't show, on a public level, any self-awareness for their actions. They, on a media front, seem to believe things will die down by wearing the Hong Kong people out, by not making any concessions, or by saying words that are not the ones the Hong Kong people want to hear, but they're trying to pacify them all the same. For some reason, making any concessions seems like a weakness, which they're not willing to accept. But they will willingly look weak with their interactions with the media. They'll say one thing and directly do nothing, or another thing entirely. I might overuse this word, but it's entirely needless. It truly is. It's shocking how inept the people in charge are. And the Hong Kong people aren't asking for rainbows and unicorns. The government says to the people, love your country, but What's the point in stating that when so far the government hasn't even led by example and loved its people back? Which one incident has given you a lot to think about? Have the protests affected you? No, the protests haven't affected me really. I'm not going to complain at all. I have lost a couple of classes and my MTR journey has been lengthened. But that's it. No big deal for me. The constant denials from the police regarding their actions and the denials from people online have blown my mind. It's those things that make me think. And it also makes me think about the realities of the police and the people online in which they're existing in. So let me break it down in two ways. I'll talk about the police first. I recognize the police have a difficult job. And where the police have shown restraint in those few times when they could have killed somebody, I have been blown away. Because there's been times when I'm shocked at the level of response the police have given to peaceful protesters. So while I am very critical of the police, when that man pulled out his pistol at the airport because he was getting beaten and he didn't fire, I have to commend him. But the police make everything more difficult by being so obvious with their over-the-top aggressive actions against protesters versus their passive actions with pro-government elements in the city. It's so blatant and I don't understand why there's no extra kickback and heads aren't rolling in this organization. And they have no shame in their conduct. They're getting away with so much. And they still describe themselves as Asia's finest. I wish there was some obvious show of some kind of conflict within their ranks. Maybe some high profile officers could quit, for example, to show their disgust at what has happened recently. If it's good for Cathay Pacific, why not the Hong Kong police force? Their media appearances serve no purpose other than to hide the many truths the media have recorded and witnessed and shared online. The police take no responsibility for any of their actions and everything that is obviously negative and harmful is twisted and instead they justify everything they do or excuse their actions because of a minority of protesters have thrown some bricks or lit some, lit some petrol bombs 
And I get it. Those are bad things. But then their show of force isn't even comparable as a response to the protesters. The police are happy to play up any aspect of the protesters' faults, but can't admit they even shot somebody in the eye by accident, or deliberately. We'll never know. I could go on and on, but they've shown their inhumanity. I've changed my view on the Hong Kong people these past few weeks, and I distrust every single one of them to do the right thing for the Hong Kong people. And I'm kind of happy when I hear people have unfriended their police officer friends on Facebook, or the police have a few service in local shops. Hong Kong people are protesting whichever way they can. And don't get me started on the white police officers still in charge as holdovers from the British colonial government working against the Hong Kong people. Those white officers have the freedom to leave Hong Kong. And when they leave Hong Kong, they'll be entitled to the freedoms back home that they're denying to the Hong Kong people right now. And these are British officers. Do they not have any self-awareness? The other aspect to this denialism, because this is really what I'm trying to answer in this question, is the online dialogue. Internet commentators, or the many protests that I've seen in other countries, where mainland people and Westerners and Hong Kong expats are arguing with one another. But the mainland people and the Westerners keep stating, so I've seen especially on Twitter, they keep stating that Hong Kong is a part of China. Yes, we know. And the people here in Hong Kong, we know this, or they know this. But the Hong Kong people aren't even making their affiliation to China an issue. They aren't separatists. But the West and the East, and when I say the East, I specifically mean China, they're denying the Hong Kong people a voice and supplanting their voices with their own narratives. The Americans on the Western side, it's this idea that they're fighting for democracy and Hong Kong is this bastion, this outpost to protect against the coming communism. And in China, Hong Kong people don't love their country or they hate China. They don't want to be a part of China. And yet, this isn't the conversation that's happening here. People simply want what was promised to them. Or they want a bill to simply be withdrawn. And this government can't say those words to pacify its own people for whatever reason. It floors me how much Westerners get involved and they reframe everything that's happening here around their own politics. Which ones are the Proud Boys? Which one's Antifa? Sorry, but fuck all that. Stop thinking about how your politics are supposedly playing out in another country. That's not how it's doing it. And then the mainland Chinese who defend their country that they're ignorant of lacking the proper context to even have a dialogue with those that they're arguing against and they can't even engage accurately. So what's the point? What does the future hold? Well, either the government concedes something or says the magic words and the bill has been, air quotes, withdrawn or people can get more upset and things escalate further and we continue with more protests over the next coming weeks or they totally give up but with the intention to express themselves again in worse ways at a later date. Imagine only wanting what was promised to you by those who are supposed to look after you and then being told no or ignored or your actions because you want to hold them to account even though you haven't elected any, anybody in government so that they are accountable 
basically you're being misinterpreted. I expect more pain to come Hong Kong's way, but I wish a greater pain on the economic system because that's the only thing the Hong Kong government cares about. And I understand there'll be casualties, but there's always casualties. There are many aberrations in this part of the world inside this SAR and they're being propped up by an unelected government. So those aberrations like the housing market, the cost of living, the wealth that should be shared amongst all the people that people want to enjoy. If those things were somehow dismantled, I'm being too idealistic here, but the housing market or the housing bubble is the biggest thing. And if that crashed, I'd want to see how that would play out. I really do. And I understand, again, there'll be casualties, but everything is messy. Nothing is clean cut. Do you want to stay or leave Hong Kong? When would you leave? Where would you go if you even left? I want to stay in Hong Kong for as long as possible. When depends on my safety. But I don't expect the entire city to fall apart. China, I don't think, would allow that. The shame on the international stage would be too much. The cogs have to keep spinning, so to speak. I actually have food, water and power in case of an emergency. So I can ride out some strife if it actually came to that. Importantly and unfairly, I can just leave any time I want. I can consider my options far more easily than the natives here. I'd try and leave and go to Taiwan or Japan. They already speak English and I can still teach in those countries. I want to live in a country where the belief is the country is fair in their interpretation of the law. If something does happen to me in China or under Chinese rule, I'm at least hopefully just going to be expelled from living in China. Of course, the alternative, all the alternatives, of course, all the alternatives are much worse. China has never seemed lenient and I don't believe anybody will or could help me if I get into trouble. We've seen that already with the Canadian representatives that have been held in detention by the Chinese government without even an access to a lawyer. I don't like the statement from mainland Chinese that if you don't speak out against injustice in China, you'll do fine. You'll earn enough money and life will be good. People are just saying, be obedient. But being obedient forces you to be at the whim of the CCP. And those people who say, keep your head down, are the same people who allow for tainted milk formula to exist in China. That's why everyone comes here. That's why everyone who comes here, and let's say there isn't enough, then they get upset and protest in Hong Kong. Well, it's like, well, why don't you go and protest in China and try and change your country for the better? They're your children. You should be able to speak out against that kind of corruption without fear of retribution. And that's something really simple. That happens in every single country where some corporation has skimped on the ingredients or skimped on a process and the people suffer. And the governments should self-correct accordingly. If there's one thing you could change, what would it be? I'd like to try and go back in time and nullify the agreement between the British and the Chinese that would enable the handover. I would hope that the British would give up the colony, just like they have done with many of the other colonies, and then turn it into a Singapore. Or I'd go back in time further and ask the KMT to fight just a little bit harder for China when the communist revolution began. But then who knows how that would play out if the KMT did do that? Would China be China today? And would Taiwan be Taiwan today? Because Taiwan is only Taiwan as we know and love it because China is being China.